0: I'm Elaine Shannon. I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast where we inspire and empower you to connect more soulfully to yourself.
1: In this episode of Soul Sister Conversations, we speak with Michelle Hooten, a perennial entrepreneur who talks to us about being open to the universe and how this has applied to her entrepreneurial adventures. We talk confidence, strength, leadership, and life lessons. The sparks are already flying here, Dana.
0: You always know it's going to be a conversation when we have this preamble with the guest and we're laughing and yes. splitting our sides. So,
1: so okay, here <laughs> we adjust. go. Be open to the universe. As a perennial entrepreneur, Michelle Hooten has spent a lifetime working at things that she is passionate about. Self-directing, charting her own course, turning on a dime, and jumping out of bed excited to see what the day would bring was her life. And like many mothers, she was not prepared for her children to leave the nest. Her daughters are all the same age and their departure times three was devastating for her. For the first time in her life, she was not working, no girls to take care of, and frankly feeling very unproductive and lost. She was at her book club chatting about her situation when one of the women said, be open to the universe, Michelle. Try to quiet your mind and just be open. Truthfully, she didn't completely believe she could do that. Welcome, Michelle Hooten.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love the topic. You do? I do. (laughs) I love the statement. Be open to the universe. What does that mean to you? Well, um, it means that I had to
2: stop trying to control everything in my life. Because up until that point, I felt like I had. Um, When the girls left, it coincided with the end of my time in politics and politics was a great teacher for me i misunderstood how it all worked i was very passionate about what i was doing um put myself into a race didn't win the race and boom it was over and i hadn't anticipated that and so for the first time i was at a standstill without a plan Wow. Yeah, politics. Could, I'm hearing
0: that and I'm like, that's brave.
2: Yeah, it it was uh it was wonderful. And and I would never ever want to leave the impression that it wasn't something that I loved because I did. I don't love politics, but serving your community in that capacity was amazing. The mm. people that I met were amazing. The the opportunities that I had because I was the deputy mayor, organizations that I didn't even know existed in the city. Mm. Uh, it it was four years of my life that I'll, I'll never regret giving to my community. It
0: was amazing. Mm. Mm. So when you heard the words "be open to the universe" at your book club, mm. you were at a point in your life where your children were gone, mm-hmm. and we'll probably get into some of all the businesses that you've you've done over the over the years. But you were obvi- you weren't doing anything in particular in business at the time, so there was a blip; everything yeah. was at a standstill, yeah. and you were trying to figure out what what comes next. For so
2: you? when so the girls all graduated from university, and then I decided that they would leave the city. So you know everybody goes through the empty nest thing one kid at a time but my girls are all the same age and so the exodus was it was drafty in our house (laughs) and so yeah it was I can't even begin to describe the devastation that I felt Mm -hmm. I can remember one night Ralph finding me upstairs in my tub the water had gone cold I had my arms wrapped around my knees pulled into my chest I was sobbing and you know he he carefully helped me out and i mean i was pathetic
3: mm. and
2: the thought of me being that sad now you know the, 10 years later it's it's hard to imagine but it was real the pain was real i wasn't ready for it i thought i was i wasn't and yeah one step at a time i had to dig myself out of it so when i was at book club um, one of the book club members said that to me. And it really just sounded ridiculous. Really, really Like, hokey. just be open. Yeah, right. wow. yes. yeah, I'm not that person. I can't were you a woo- I
0: hate to say the word woo-woo, but were you a woo-woo person who, you know, would speak like that? The universe? No. The universe would uh, no, conspire that's my, to assist No, me. no it's not no. in your vocabulary? It's not, it's not in my vocabulary. <laughs> now, it is
2: in... Um, my friend's vocabulary. Natalie Godbu is one of my closest yes. friends. She speaks that language and I totally love it, but it doesn't roll off my tongue like Even that. Even still? Um, I would say yes, now it does, but at that time, not at not,
0: all. Not at not all. Not at all. So, so be did open you, What to did the you universe. think she meant? Well,
2: I, I understood the concept. I just didn't think that I had it in me to do that. Um, and so at the same time that the girls left, Ralph and I had, already, had made the decision that I would retire, um, that I would not pursue another business because I always owned my own business, um, that I wouldn't do that again, and that I would retire and
1: that I would be able to fill my time up. With, With, what? What? With what? Because yeah Michelle, you, you, it, it, I, I would think you're the kind of person that when you decide to do something, you are all in. Right. And right. you're all in probably beyond what anybody else would be all in doing.
2: Well, oh. uh, so what happened, I started to write a blog and it really was my way of communicating with the girls in an unobtrusive way. When they were little girls um, on Sunday, we always had a big Sunday dinner and it was really adorable. They would always say to me one at a time, mommy, tell me a story about me. And so we had this beautiful um, family dinner with me, Telling them stories, which could have been something that had happened like a week ago, but it was I, you know, I would turn it into a story, and they really enjoyed it. And I thought I can't call them twenty-seven times a day to check in, so because I'm, you wanted to, I did. Okay, I did. Yes. oh yeah, they're all on speed dial, and I would love to do that. But I, you know, I had to behave myself, and so I started to. I thought it would be fun to write a blog, and I had um, several people encouraging me to do that. And the most natural thing for me to write about would be food. And somehow I wrote recipes but hooked it into stories about the girls yes. or about my family, my parents, Ralph, my friends, just my life. But um, <laughs> it was hilarious. So I used WordPress as the platform and really wasn't very good on the computer. Had never used a camera before. Um, it was it was pathetic. I could I literally, I could spend eight to 10 hours, and if you look back at those original posts, they may have 119 words, two photographs, and it would take me all that time to get it loaded
1: up write it oh my goodness it was because you were perfectionizing time. it you were I was well it...
2: I was learning how to use that platform yeah. and learning how to use my camera and and understanding how to stage a shot and you know it was it was all of those things
0: and in the beginning it was really bad but you, you <laughs> but you did it you did it but you also took an entrepreneurial approach because you got paid for your blog right
2: well that was later that was after but you did figure that out well it's not really so much that I figured out what I figured out was to how to, how to take beautiful photographs how to write about thing food that people were interested in learning how to prepare. Um, the stories were easy. The and, and that was so that was the easy
1: part of it. That yeah. was yeah. the story storytelling. Was, but
2: telling the story, I had to learn how to write because, mm-hmm. you know, in my head it would sound a certain way. But then once I wrote it down and read it back to myself, I, I, you know, I would leave certain things out, or the punctuation wasn't good, or there, you know, there, there's all sorts of things about writing that makes it compelling. Um, so I had to learn all that, but probably the most important thing I had to learn how to do was to take photographs, to tell the whole story. I worked with Kelly Lawson. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, I love Kelly's photography and I love her. So she, she came over several times and we would talk about things and she could just say little tiny snippets that would stay with me for weeks and, and I would keep working on that one thing until I got it. And then of course, so this would have been 10 years ago. And it's when food blogging was really huge, and there were particular there'd be like a dozen food bloggers worldwide that were fabulous, and I followed them, and I looked at their work, and I looked at their pictures, and I started to understand how the picture told the story, I started to understand light. I was constantly chasing light, um, you know. So it was it was all of that. Yeah. So so to your pointy lane, yes. When I when I get onto something, I'm dog yes. on a bone.
0: But I, it feels though um very entrepreneurial like you're you're figuring it out, you're looking at the formula, you're practicing, you're relooping in until like I get it right, yeah, I can hear that yeah. and, and it feels so what up been a success formula for you well years? I don't think that I'm
2: really that pragmatic <laughs> I, I think I think with with the blog, so what happens is people on the internet we have a we have a relatively small community that really supported my blog, and then I had um and this is something you can't. You can't control this, and I think a lot of people fall into the trap in thinking that they can. They want to monetize their site. Um, it has to happen organically. Mm. So, you, I would get. You can watch your views on WordPress, and so every day I would get between maybe three and five hundred views, which is a lot. That's in a small, good amount of yeah, eyeballs. Yeah, it is. So I'm up at the farm this one Sunday morning, and I get up and I'm making breakfast, and I click on just to look, and I'm at seven hundred. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And I thought, oh, something must be wrong. It oh, will
1: be, be my <laughs> first, right? Yeah. It must be the back end. Must yeah. be Something's it's
2: wrong. Something's wrong. And so then an hour later, I'm at 1,200. Oh, there's definitely something <laughs> wrong. So I, I call my webmaster and I, I talk to him and um, Shaw McGrath. And um, get him to have a look, and he no, no, it's everything's fine, okay. So by the end of that day, I had had fourteen thousand views. Holy, shory. right? And so it was on a meatloaf recipe that I wrote, <laughs> and that meatloaf recipe caused my blog to go viral. So I have I've passed four million views on it, wow. um, but I and I haven't written. I last year I think I wrote three posts, but I still get even with not giving any new content between three and 600 views every day wow yeah and it's so but but to my point is is that you can't that's not something you
1: can't floral. you can't no it's the viral videos you, that's it you, so you so you have to show up as you yeah and do it your, yeah. with your secret sauce and then people will notice it because yeah. i use your recipes quite often i mean we and i've shared them she has, and I, I've oh used yes them. oh <laughs> there, yeah they're <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh my jamie made the um the uh, uh, apple uh oh in the cast iron pan Apple Apple Crisp. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so we made that right. and he made it beautifully. Like awesome. he followed your instructions did the love, right? right. Cuz you got to yeah, do the, the love, love at the end. That's the most that important one ingredient. and then there's and then there's the Alfredo recipe that you take, you know, right. the, the uh Michelle eyes. <laughs> right? Alfredo right. recipe for yeah. for um, entertaining. Anyways, they because there's something that you can go back to over and over and
2: over well, again. Well, I use my own blog and I was laughing the <laughs> other day because it's like Bravo. it's my own personal recipe, recipe book. Yeah. A yeah, right?
0: record of all your good
2: absolutely, stuff. yeah, and it's it. I didn't realize. I I mean, I wrote diligently. I worked
0: on it every day for five years. Wow, every day, never a day. So there's off. discipline. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's hard work goes into these things. So when things so, finally yes. go viral, they're not things that happen overnight or catch on fire. But you've been building. It's such never such an, great an overnight that For so long that when someone finds you, they go, Oh, wow, she has five years of content, right? Five years of great recipes. That's right. And and
2: and the funny thing is that meatloaf post. Is definitely not my best work. I mean, like you look at the photos. Obviously, people like meatloaf. They do, and that that was a huge lesson to me. Really? Yes, people do like meatloaf. People like like grandmas, like grandmas'
0: meatloaf, biscuits, pedestrian food. Right. I haven't heard that term before. Peanut butter
1: cookies. Things things that
2: are right. They they don't want they don't want a recipe for kielbasa That's not something they're looking for. They're going to a restaurant to order. That's exactly right. It's not something they're going to whip up at home. So yeah. So I that's what I call. I guess pedestrian food people this normal everyday food Mm -hmm. but to explain where the magic is this is why maybe the way you're making it right now isn't working try this. And that's the love, that piece at the bottom. Yeah. I love that.
1: And that, so that is you, so that's your personal brand because there's, you know, all the food bloggers, you talk about what makes them stand out and yours is adding that love, but that was there for your girls. That's right. So mm. you did it for them. You yeah. did it for you. Yeah, I did it yeah. to survive. Really. You did it, like, to survive. did it to survive. How many
0: times have you heard this story? People write a book um, and it takes off because it was cathartic or right. it was soothing or well, comforting Liz themselves. Well, Liz Gilbert, when she right? wrote
1: "E. Pray, Love, she yeah.
0: didn't write that for the yeah. masses. She right. wrote it for her right. to to get over yeah. what was going on in her life for her. Well, to make sense of things. And I love that when you said, tell, tell me a story about me. That sounds like a children's book. It does. Doesn't it? it I'm does like, for I love sure. that. Yeah, tell yeah. me a story. And funny. my
2: grandson is exactly the same way. And I tell him stories about him. Aww. And he's mesmerized. And he'll... Can I have another Grammy? <laughs> you know, he and just but I children I Love that, right? They it makes them understand love it too. Oh, yeah, yes. I think they do too. And, they, and if yeah. you still
1: have your parents, because my my parents are around, and yeah. I somebody said to me the other day because we were chatting about mom and dad moving in and some of the challenges that happen with that, because it's not all puppy dogs and roses. She said, get a notebook and every time you go downstairs, get your parents to tell you a story, right, about right. their life, because
2: you about think your you're life. Gonna remember, oh. and you're not, and
0: yeah. and it's that's so true. That's such a great idea. And we don't hear our parents' perspective, like. We may recall it, but we may hear it differently through somebody else's absolutely eyes. and it's funny because I see my kids light up if I tell them something or even like their birth story right right they don't have any memory of that right. but tell what was the day like it makes well, you them know, feel they understand connected. where they fit right in the universe in the world, Right, because, oh. there's that word again right and right? yeah it's, an it's the connection word. to the yeah. universe yeah. Yeah. but
2: what
1: it a great is. way for you Michelle to you know so your heart is ripped open because everybody and so here's the perception when people look outside at women whose children have gone and I've had this since Eric left this year. Oh, you must be so enjoying the quiet. What a fabulous thing. Your life must be great. And I'm sitting home, as as Dana and I know, because we've had lots of conversations, I'm not having a good time right now. Right, I'm having a very hard right. time. But for the outside world, they're looking in and they're thinking, oh, look, Michelle, you've got the world by the absolutely by the
2: master's hearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody, um, well, not everybody, but anyone who knew us, Ralph and I travel quite a lot. And so, you know, we were having these fabulous trips and carrying on as we always did. I didn't realize... Um, the girls were busy and I was busy. I wasn't that mom that was with my girls every night. We didn't have Tuesday date night. We didn't do that. But it was just, I knew that at some point we would be together and they, the three of them are like my muses and they, just I could be a glance and I could be just lifted and I can conquer the world. And then all of a sudden, you know, you take that away. And um it may be oversimplifying it, but it, it really we really were a unit, a family unit. And so now Ralph and I had to learn how to be a family unit, just the two of us, and sort of, you know, build new routines mm. and um and fill up that void that was in the house. And so now I can happily say 10 years later, when the girls come home, we are delighted to see them. And then when they leave, we do exhale. <laughs>
1: And that, right. And so you're being honest because when yeah, the yes. when the kids are, well, the last weekend, everybody showed up. I'm like, Jamie, they're not supposed to be here. This was like our weekend to do our own thing. Right. And now we're like, oh, good. So what are we having for dinner? Right. Mom,
2: what's for breakfast? Mom, what's for lunch? Yeah. Mom, what's for dinner? I brought home
1: my laundry. Right. Oh, absolutely. What? Like, I'm like, yeah. what? And I
2: know that my daughters in their three homes, separate homes, they keep very tiny places. Really lovely. They walk through the door, the <laughs> bags get dropped, Ralph is on deck to take them upstairs. To their bedrooms, then they flip. The tuck in full service. Oh my gosh! The the suitcase explodes. The laundromat's open. Absolutely. And, and look, at, I, I wouldn't change anything. Luckily, we, you know we have latches on the doors, and we just close them the whole time they're there. We don't have to look at that it. That
0: is so funny because I I said to my husband recently was um, we when we would go home to my parents and we take toddlers and so on. I realized what a mess we would create because we like blow up the place Absolutely. just like you described. But uh, we have a different. State standard here, but go home. It's almost like we're at parents' house. Yeah. And they're going to pick up after. us, well, even though we have children. I think they want to come home and be the children again. Be, that's exactly yeah. it. You just want to be cared for, yeah. right? And I notice it with my children because my son, I would have a hard time getting him to make his bed. And I was FaceTiming with him a few weeks ago, and I could see his bed in the background. I'm like, oh, your bed looks uh, uh, made like, Oh, yes. I make that every day. I'm like, oh, you do? <laughs> exactly. I don't see really? any garbage in the background, any uh, chip bags. But here... I think people just want to be their their kid self, and and it's so funny. I am also noticing the same difference. But it, and I don't think it matters your age. No, well, no. My, my daughters
2: are thirty three, and I can guarantee you it doesn't matter their age.
1: But even when <laughs> when I was in my before Mom and Dad left the Narrows, oh, dear. so three years ago, oh. I would go up there oh, you to did the, the Narrows. Same thing? Yes, oh. I would go okay. up. I mean, I would. Do things. Yep. I mean, yeah. I was the cook when I went. Yeah, but I would still like, it, you know, downstairs where we slept was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. But you just felt like you could put like be, your hair down right. and you could be the kid, and it's your parents the kid. would be like, "Oh, she's again. she's yeah, having we, a nap." They so the girls think that I am so fulfilled by <laughs> picking off after them. Yeah,
2: it's incredibly <laughs> fulfilling work. <laughs> so I'm oh actually I'm, I think that they're going to be listening to this podcast. So girls. <laughs> (laughs) mom loves you they're all they're all coming for Christmas and I think and they are all fabulous cooks so I'm actually going to prepare a schedule where we share the duties because they now come (laughs) with
1: partners and children and yeah so and I want to play with the grandchildren and you right so you want to be in the living room playing with grandchildren while they're cooking for you and they're
2: they are great cooks so I would would love that they were wonderful sous chefs they were at my side as soon as they could be standing on stools and just their little aprons on, they loved it. And now in their own homes, they are wonderful.
0: Where does your uh, love of culinary food and arts begin? Like, oh gosh, really at such a young age, Grew up with your grandparents? Yeah, like my, bakers, both,
2: both of my grandmothers cookers. were fabulous cooks. My mom is incredible, incredible to this day. Um, she, My mother would have been the one that taught me to cook. Very precise. She's a beautiful baker. I'm not crazy about baking. Baking is all
1: about precision. It is. Yes.
2: And, and I can bake um, because I've done it all my life. So mom would have been the person. I was a latchkey kid. So it was my responsibility to prepare weeknight mm. meals um so at 10 years old I could you know I would actually at the end of the school day be thinking about what I was going to prepare you were doing your prep in your head you were figuring out the menu I was and so just it's just something that's in me I love it I've 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 loved you know like as soon as I could afford to go to um a takeout and buy a hot dog I did that because I was fascinated with it and you know it just sort of it just really
1: did grow from that Oh, but you had amazing. to have an, an innate interest because there's a lot, I mean, yeah. we were latched. I mean, mom worked, yeah. nanny was there, but she was downstairs. So we were in charge of the meals and my sister would be like, I'm not doing this. Like right. she's, and to this day she doesn't cook, but she made a mean whoopie pie. Right. So she would do the baking, but I would do the cooking, yeah. but I had that interest then. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, there's something that's in your DNA. No question. That, that no question. made you want to do that. I think about food, um, Constantly,
2: it's <laughs> you're it's never of it. you're, Yeah, I kind of, and I always have. Not not just since Italian by Night. Like I have done this all my life. I would always be thinking about. Food, um, eating it, preparing it, buying it, looking at it—you know, like it just always in my head.
0: And we <laughs> should say this because I don't think we've said, said it explicitly yet on the podcast that you are the chef of Italian by Bi- Night and, and, and one and of the older. co-owners, yes, yes, yes. of yes. Italian by Night. So, what, hence the you know obsession with with food as fabulously prepared food at Italian Thank by Night. You. but you. But ha- you married this entrepreneur. You you have this entrepreneurial side marrying it with food, and you started yeah. your own snack cart
3: right at sixteen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it's, so, so I, I, I'm I amazed think, by that, by right. the way.
2: Well, so what happened, my, my best friend and I were trying to find summer employment and had left it too late. And so we couldn't find a job. And I thought, you know, why don't we just sell snacks in the park? We'll, we'll get put little costumes on. And um, my dad built the cart. We went to City Hall to get a permit. They couldn't give us one. So we left and I said, you were well, too young? well, no, because there wasn't such a thing. There wasn't such a thing. As there a weren't food per- trucks at right, that point. Exactly. So that didn't say to me, I couldn't do it. It just meant I wouldn't have a permit. So, um, we had struck a deal with, uh, Jeremiah's in the city market and we would go in there and make their sandwiches, use their ingredients, and they would sell them to us. We made 15 cents per sandwich, which was ridiculous. Anyway, but we were allowed to park our cart there overnight. And so then we sold slices of watermelon, bags of popcorn, glasses of lemonade, big profit margin and all those things. And, um, and we, we
1: made between $50 and $100 each every day, every day that we were open which is much more than you would have made worse for somebody else. I'll
0: tell you the words that uh, struck me. You said, I struck a deal with Jeremiah. (laughs) You're 16, Michelle. (laughs) How does one strike a deal at 16? You must have had incredible confidence. I
3: did, yeah. Because
0: I'm thinking 16, I think I figured out myself maybe 10 years ago. I'm like, 16, I wish. Right. Yeah, that's in in
2: your DNA also. Yeah. (laughs) Both of my parents are entrepreneurs. And so I was taught all of my life to respect my own value and understood that time my time was valuable all my life so really I never gift. thought of what you just you, said you, you, I never you thought just of modeled yeah. what you
0: knew absolutely and, and I think the such the power of that because we just had a conversation uh, with Rivers Corporate, and we were talking about this whole entrepreneurial thing so I'm thinking this DNA it's in your bones yeah and it's modeled you see it so you I always say what you're showing you just accept right no matter what it is in your life, you think that's the standard. right? So for me, who does not come from an entrepreneurial family, to branch out, that is the scariest thing ever to have done. And so I listened to you at 16. I struck a deal with Jeremiah's. I'm like, <laughs> and it was natural, like breathing. <laughs> yeah. Like just like nothing. Yeah. It, yes. And so what was yes. it like when you got money for the first time Oh, at it was 16, fabulous. That, I, money. It was absolutely money that fabulous. You earned. And
2: I never, I never forgot that feeling. I bet. That, the fact that I could control it. The more product yeah. I had, the more I would sell, and and then I and I started to understand the art of the sale. Um, oh, gosh. yeah, it was it yeah it. it okay, it tell came, us more about that. Well, it was just I you know so we were two young high school girls. There'd be lots of boys hanging around that weren't buying anything, and I, and I figured that out real quick. And so you needed to get rid of them so that I could get customers. <laughs> could carry on, right? Yeah, move along, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So buy
0: something, right? Yeah, or
2: or be on your way. Yeah. So um, you know, and and to upsell, like all of these, these are all words that that are you know are things now. But yes. then it was just natural. Yeah, Michelle.
0: People learn this in their MBAs and their right. business degrees now. Right. You already figured that yeah. out in the school of life right. at, at and I yeah. yeah, there was You're obviously that a very uh, self-reflective and self-aware person. Like you're always examining the process or what's going on.
3: Hmm.
2: I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm like that. Um, there, I always have an end goal. And so that summer, I wanted to be able to buy a new wardrobe to go back to school. Mm. And, so, and I wanted Christy to be able to buy a new wardrobe to go back to school. So we needed to make some dough. And really, that's, that's what I had my eye on. And so that meant that I needed to sell a whole watermelon. Uh, you know, I needed to sell four jugs of lemonade. It was. Just I love that, that
0: you had a measurement. That's four <laughs> jugs of lemonade, <laughs> uh, one whole watermelon. Right. We have to right. uh, bust our buns to get yeah. these things out the door Yeah, today. so
2: that, that's kind of how, it's really even how I think today. Really? Yeah, it is. It, it, is it's it's so as simple as that. I think people can overcomplicate it, but I think it is as simple as that would you call it a game it's an equation oh really yeah it's an equation so um you had said earlier we were before the interview started talking about you know understanding you know running a kitchen and margins and and um food costing Mm -hmm. that's the magic in a restaurant and that's what i really love to do and it's it's not a game it's very serious to me i mean a lot of livelihoods depend on that kitchen being Mm -hmm. successful yes um, and so the margins are critically important. I Just as an example, we've just finished up with Chop Chop, which is a food festival in St. John, uptown St. John, and I look at some of the other menus and I shudder a little bit for the owners of those restaurants because essentially for some of the establishments it's become a pissing contest between some of the chefs they're putting things on the menu it's a $35 three course meal and they're putting things on the menu where they can't possibly be making a profit and yet the the restaurants hard costs don't change in that week Mm -hmm. and so so that that's just a sort of a little synopsis of, right. of how my brain
1: thinks. You're looking at the equation. You're yeah. looking at your how margins. Much make money. Even I though it's chop, chop right, I still have to pay rent. I still have forty everybody. employees yes.
2: to take care of, like my lights. All of the costs that yes. you know that that are required to open the door every day at Italian by Night don't change in the week of Chop Chop. Right. We want to participate, of course, um, and we have hundreds and hundreds of people that that contribute which is fantastic because of the Mm. lunch connection program but i still have to make it profitable for the restaurant Mm. so that math piece is um as exciting to me as the actual
0: preparation and creation of the food Mm. Isn't that so interesting? I hear when I hear equation, I feel like it's a balance on both sides. Not that I was a strong math student, but you know, you have to balance the equation. We talk yeah. the math and in the and the restaurant side, the creation, right? But you, there is the sensibility. You just can't be fancy. You have to pay the bills. No, you,
2: you can't be. You you and you know, I would I would love as a chef to as a self taught chef. Let me let me qualify that. Um, to you know, for instance, change the menu every month it would it appeals to that sort of um, chaotic part of my brain or schizophrenic part of my brain that would just like the grind I'll call it the grind you have a menu that's in place for five months and having to make sure that it is exact night after night after night that takes a particular talent Mm -hmm. and so if I was left just to run amok I would change it because that would appeal to me Um, I have no idea where I'm going with that. But that would be
1: to the detriment of so many things around you. Absolutely. And so as, as an entrepreneur, so I hear that, right. And as an entrepreneur, I, and somebody told me this once, you women are always changing things up Mm -hmm. because you need a change, but are you looking at the carnage behind you? Right. Right. And so it really is sort of diving into where the sweet spot is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going so people, with that. You Think about yourself when you go out
2: to dinner. You're going to a particular place. You can't wait to get there because there is a particular dish, dish. that you want to have. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, it's not on the menu. What do you yes. mean it's not Where on did the menu? It go? Right. I so, I have worked really hard at earning the trust of our clientele that whatever is on that menu is going to be delicious. And it's going to be the same every time I go. No, it's not. That's that's ah. what I'm saying. So, I what I now change the menu twice a year. Mm-hmm. And there are particular things that I will take off. Um, and you know, something new goes on. And so people have come to trust me that it's, and the team that it's, it's going to be good, but because I'm, I'm sort of, it's, I have, I'm going at this in two ways. I want Italian by night to be recognized as one of the premier Italian restaurants in Canada. I'm not interested in New Brunswick and I'm not interested in the Maritimes. I would like to be seen as one of the top Italian restaurants in Canada. And I believe that we can be. Um, and I can't do that by having a static menu. A static menu is a roadhouse, and you know that in five years you're going to go to a particular roadhouse. It's going to have basically the same menu, and i Italian tell you by, not, by night, you're not going to find that, you know, so that feeds the creativity, my own creativity, mm-hmm. and the creativity of the team, because I have a very passionate, committed team in the kitchen and the front of house. They're like little puppies at the pass. They can't wait for me to change the menu, so they have something new to sell. Yeah, so it, it is. It's an... It's, it's a an interesting world. dance. Yeah. yeah, it is. That uh, you have to. Well, I
0: love that you had the, the, you said, just like creativity. You know, here in this chaotic, this there's a piece of you that needs to be satisfied. And on your entrepreneurial and serial journey of entrepreneurship, <laughs> one of the things that I remember hearing you say is that, you were like one of the first or one of the first successful aerobics business mm. in New York city. Mm. Yeah. That was... I don't know if people would know that about you, about the chef behind the scene at Italian right, by night right. that you were, were you like an original Jane Fonda girl with your, yeah. with your yeah, leg warmers. How the heck did you your... get into what, <laughs> yeah. what era
2: was this? Was this the eighties? Okay. Yes, it was. So this is, this is a great story. So, so you must have a cute outfit. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, had all the, I had all that. Yes. Yeah, so remember flash dance. Can yeah, we get so a photo for a Facebook post? Somebody, somebody <laughs> <laughs> I think they, um, I went to the gym here actually in Quispam Sis and I remember walking in and I did not fit. Um, I remember walking in and the woman who owned the studio looked at me and she said, oh, you're sort of into that grunge look. And I so just was how you would drive yes, <laughs> So what did that nothing, look like? Nothing matched, and right. you know, I had my, my sweatshirt was ripped, but it was it was kind of a contrived look. I thought I looked great. No, I did not. <laughs> you did had a costume on. Yes. It was your costume. Yes, your gym exactly. costume. <laughs> yeah. So how that all came to be. I um, When I left high school, I went to Dalhousie University to study theater. I was halfway through my second year when I realized I really wasn't that girl that would be content to spend the rest of my life waiting on tables. And I, I realized quickly that um, I needed to do something else. And so I left school and um, was here in St. John, waitressing. At um, I guess it, at the time it would have been the best restaurant in the city. Very busy. I won't say the name, but if you know that time, you know what restaurant I'm talking about. And They had great Singapore slings. Yes, they did. So you know exactly. <laughs> I probably carried a tray of them to you. On, and after yeah. that, I worked there. Oh, you did? <laughs> okay, yes. so I was fired. Oh, and, oh. yeah, I was fired. And it was devastating to me because I was making a fortune. And um, it, was the, it was the only time in my life I had ever been fired. But I made a decision that I would never be in that position again, which is why I became an entrepreneur. Mm. No one would ever, ever have that control over me again. So in the fall of that year, I went back to university. And the only courses that sort of appealed to me, it looked like, would be um, a physical education um, course which is hilarious because I was the least jockey person that you would ever meet so I go through this school year and all the academic courses I'm doing really well in I'm a bit older than all of the other kids and I'm pretty pretty serious about it but I was bombing in the physical classes so tennis badminton which is why gymnastics. you were there <laughs> right so really doing badly and I thought oh my gosh I've got i I've got to turn this around so I went to Bob Bennell, who was the the professor And um, made a deal and said to him... (laughs) Struck another deal with with your university professor. Right. Well, I had just had um, a year and a half of intense dance at DAL. And I had heard about dancer size. So this was before aerobics. So I said, if I can put the class through a dancer size program and I can wear you out, I want an A for the year. And he smugly said absolutely so I that was the first program that I ever put together it was an hour long and I choreographed an exercise class to music we did the class that night when I went to Bob and classroom for our class there was a note on the door class canceled he was whipped (laughs) and I got an A
0: (laughs) Bravo to you! Right,
2: (laughs) and so then I thought, wow, I I think I can turn this into something, and so I um, created Body Electric Aerobics. And then, was
0: aerobic, are you saying you invented aerobics? No, I didn't. <laughs> because I, it was dancer-cise. It was dancer-cise. Was aerobics just starting to come out? It was, it was
2: just, that word was just starting to. Just starting, to, like yeah, a buzzword. Exactly. Just starting to. So, um, so, do you, re- you remember the movie Fame? Yes. Right. Yes. I sing the Body Electric. Right. Well, that song really spoke to me, and so I called my company, Body Electric Aerobics, and I renovated the floor above Weasel Shoe Store on King Street, and I taught two classes at lunch and three classes in the evening. Oh my! Yeah, a lot of ridiculous amount of work, and but I was making really good money, and I at the time was married to a man from New York. And he was miserable here, and he wanted to go home. And so, I, I mean, I was only 21 at the time. So I, it was, you know, you're bulletproof at that time. So we packed everything up. We sold all of our wedding gifts, and we raised $30,000. We went God. to Manhattan. We found a space in a burnt-out building, invested every nickel of that $30,000, um, and opened Body Electric Aerobics. Almost starved to death the first winter. Almost froze to death the first winter. Saw the biggest rats I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And then in March, the New York Times ran a story. And it was above the fold. And it said top seven aerobic studios in manhattan and the only one listed below 14th street was body electric so we went from starving to death to sold out
1: for the next five years wow yeah it was incredible above the fold i love that which
0: speaks now to the website and internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when you when you think of the be open to the universe, right. when I'm hearing all these stories, what well, I know at the time it mightn't have been obvious, but looking back now, how do you think that theme connects to that? Right. So
2: do you? you're yeah. saying that to me now. Now in wow. retrospect, I can see why
1: you're. But at the time, no, I, I when you're not in aware. you're panicked, right? You're no. not. Well, oh, you're starving, right? And then doing right. exercise five times a day. Yeah. So wow. all all
2: I ever really did was do it to my best ability. Whatever it was that I was doing, I was passionate about. And that's what I wanted to get out of bed and do for the day, so I did it. And I was, I just think that people will support that. That's been my experience. But that's, experience. A, that's I I it's a belief, the universe will
0: support it. Right. You know, on a bigger level. Right. Because you are, I'm hearing you, you're constantly taking action you're like it's a, a two way I jumped out thing. of bed I jumped yeah. out of bed with passion <laughs> right. right I want that was the thing I wanted to do today right and you, you it's like you launch something in motion and then and the but universe goes but okay. there's hard work like you said oh, it yeah. was five years yeah yeah. and it right? was yeah like and I that's had the unbelievable I'm getting and it's sins. not yeah it's not <laughs> oh i yeah, yeah five
1: classes a day but, but the universe conspires work. Work. for your success but you need to show up and do your part yeah you need to
0: show up yeah it's just not like let's sit on the couch and hope. We can have an exercise right. uh, studio
2: yeah so it's f- so funny you're making me think remember things so when you do you remember when cross stitch was a thing yeah yes. right so the only one thing I ever cross stitched was the saying and it was the saying was just <laughs> it spoke volumes to me and I wanted the girls to grow up with it so I cross stitched it and then I framed it and it was right at the front door before they would leave the house And it um, says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Mm. And I've lived that That. way. And I wanted the girls to live that
1: way. So yeah, that was my cross-stitch story. Yeah, but well, the, but there's no wishy washy like the so the universe and we had this chat with with Eliza on our our law of attraction the, because the energy meets meets your you know passion that getting out of bed and it's like this great collaboration right. like there's because you are all in you're when things come to you that you can't be all in for do you go thank you that was that's a lovely invitation it, it
2: just doesn't happen
1: yeah like it it
2: doesn't yeah. No, it, if if I'm if I'm not interested, I I zone out immediately, uh, and that's not a good thing. I don't think that that's a nice thing. But it is just that's but how it's I'm but it's wired. not in alignment
1: or resonant with who you are. Mm. And so as you progress through life and maybe into you know this sort of third act, I like to call it, are you? Do you have more clarity on that? Like, are, is there a quicker no? Do you, are you really defined on that? There are things that I know that I don't want to do. For
2: instance, I don't like to go to meetings. Um, I don't like to sit on boards or committees, you know, like there was a time during my public life that I did a lot of that. Um, and so now I know that I don't enjoy that. And so if you were to say, Michelle, would you like to sit on our board? I would say, no, thank you. And, um, so that's, that's an example. There are people that I I no longer will suffer people that I don't find interesting, or if I find them unkind um, Whereas before you would
1: have yes, just tolerated uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I
2: would have tolerated it. And now now I don't, I don't do that anymore.
1: Um, yeah. And do you find that be, at this stage of your life, because um, I, I call this the third act.
3: I love right that.
1: so yeah. and our second act is it's raising children and and you know we we we're, we're wanting to mother and give birth to so whether you have children or not you are in that creative phase where you just constantly want to children or not but all of a sudden menopause hits mm-hmm. and things happen to that desire to do that so how has that changed your um i guess how you come to business like because when you hit retirement right you were going to retire yes and then you went back into business. Yes. Is it a different Michelle in business? Do you come at it from a different yes. place?
2: Yes. Because I'm, I'm very aware that I'm at the end and uh, at, the I end have, meaning? at the end of my business life. I'm twice the national average to be in the business that I'm in. The Mm. fact that I am on the line is ridiculous. Um, But I can say now going into our third, we're halfway through our third year, I'm stronger now than I was in the first year. So I can pull a 12 hour shift and not blink. That's a short day for me. Um, So that's wonderful. I feel like that has made me younger. Um, I feel like I wasn't mature enough to have this business when I was younger I was too much of a hothead um, nobody could tell me anything you know I was so um, just hell-bent on whatever it was that I wanted to do yeah. and now I have learned to listen um, I really wait before I speak to somebody I can be it's very it's a pressure cooker the restaurant business is, is very stressful and so I will walk away and I will think about how I'm going to approach that situation before I go back. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm very mindful of all of the bodies that come in and contribute to the success of Italian by night. I'm very grateful to them. And I think there would have been a time in my life where I wouldn't have been. Um, so there's a wisdom that comes with maybe 50 plus that it's a beautiful place to be. There's a, there's a calmness and a peace and um, a sense of satisfaction that I wouldn't even have been able to recognize. Even if it had been there, I wouldn't have been able to recognize it. So I do, I do, um, approach business very differently in a very calm way. And is
0: that, has just come with age and, and and I guess maybe, yeah, more of the reflection on the
2: experience than it is the age. I, um, have had many people say to me, your kitchen is so calm because we have an exposed kitchen, as you know, mm-hmm. and um, people sit at the chef's table or even people sitting in the dining room when we're busy. So on a Friday night, we could do 300 plus people. That's a lot of covers for a restaurant. And, and especially with that type of food, the quality of the mm. food, the quality of the plating, um... And people will come by the pass if they know me and they'll say, God, Michelle, that kitchen is so calm. It doesn't even seem like anyone's speaking. And I really believe that, you know, that it it does come with the leadership. I'm, I'm very calm. And so the chefs have all sort of taken on that demeanor and they all come from other kitchens where things are being thrown and people are cursing and swearing and things are being smashed and there's prima donnas everywhere. There's no room for it in this kitchen. And I say to them before service it's showtime and so I don't care what's happening I don't care how badly you have burnt that dish you have to enjoy what you're doing I want to see the love and so they they now that's their mantra I mean it is what we do but for someone new coming into that kitchen it is such a different atmosphere I believed it could be like that you know, Gordon Ramsay would argue, but I believed it could be that way. I believed that you could only do your best work if you were happy and calm, and I've proved it does work. Yeah.
0: And everybody will rise and fall with the leadership. So you Absolutely. spoke to it, right. So you are setting the pace and The intention, the tone, yes. and, and I think that's a really great lesson for anybody who's listening who might be in leadership or in their own lives. If you want to calm home, if you're the, you're the mom and dad, you, you know, I always say my dog tells us how a frantic we are because if there's a lot of energy going on, he's barking, and he's running around. But if we're calm, he's mm. he, as he is, our studio director's on the floor right he's now, right now <laughs> having the <a> nap <laughs> of very, his life. He's very, he's very calm, that's right, that's right. Um, so I, I, I I resonate when you say that, and it's impressive because it—it's it, true. I've been in that restaurant many times, and it is an open kitchen, and it's not chaotic. Now that you mention it, like I no, hear pots yeah, and things—you yeah. know, clicking, you, you'll, you'll the hear kitchen the knobs. sounds. That's right. But there's no uh, right. sounds like in terms of even like yell like no. or speaking. It's, uh, it's, think it's of it. unacceptable to me, and it's—it's it's also
2: it's a wonderful feeling. So just to give an example. Um, the gentleman that would be I call him the pit boss so he would be the (laughs) the head dishwasher Um, has worked he worked construction all his life and he's in his 50s and he came in and interviewed for the position and for you know a variety of variety of reasons um, he wanted to change industries and he came to me one day and just said it was just beautiful he said I have never felt ever respected in my life Mm -hmm. and it's incredible And I, it blew my mind because I thought, wow, he's mid fifties and finally being honored for what he's doing. And I'll tell you in a kitchen, he has one of the most important positions that restaurant would be shut down without him. So everybody loves him and everybody lets him know what a great job he's doing. And, and so that has an amazing effect on everybody, Mm. everybody in the front of house, at the bar and in the kitchen, very respectful to one another. And it's the way we deal. And it, it creates a really great vibe in the restaurant. Yeah, I'm, and, so, and it
0: translate it, it pours out into the people it because does. it is an open kitchen. Yeah. There's almost like a, maybe an ebb and flow yeah. of energy. It's true. Would you not say absolutely? Because I think one of the things I like about your restaurant is the high energy. You go in there and it feels busy. I feel like I'm in a New York City. Yeah, you know, it's a the mm. the the dim lighting and there's a lot of clanking and people coming together in communion yeah. with meals and it's good food, right? And I, we've said it. I think when we had Liz on, I said my husband will always say to me when I'm eating there, he'll go, <laughs> "You're humming again." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Oh, I love <laughs> that because uh, it's like Whoa. there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. food noises
2: there's happening a lot of there. Food yeah. Noises. Yeah. yeah, and I think like you, there's oftentimes um, Elizabeth will be in the pass and I'm in the kitchen and we'll migrate away and stand at the chef's table, side by side, and we're always talking business, looking out over at the, over the restaurant. Everyone, you know, thinks we're conniving. You know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, uh, what are those the, two? Yeah, two? What, what are those two going? But we, you know, we genuinely genuinely will stand there and and laugh you know, sometimes that's all you can do, but, but generally we do make one another laugh. And I think that that's also contagious. I think it's like when you have mom and dad are really happy together, it makes the kids feel really safe and really happy. And so when, when, uh, the team see Liz, Gord and I, and we are also very respectful to one another and speak kindly to one another. And we've learned how to do that because it wasn't that way in the beginning, because we were under a tremendous amount of stress and pressure. And so that was, getting to us and then we kind of realized one day we have to stop and and we did we did a cold turkey we just began and we went back to what brought us together in the first place and so yeah love
0: yeah love the restaurant a food yeah. yeah the love yeah. of
2: italy the love of um, of sharing you know um yeah all of that we you know particularly liz and i love to feed people um, you know, so whether she, it's at work or at home, it's what we do all yes. the time. And, and we don't spend a lot of, um, social time together, you know, we're together through the week, but when we have downtime, we get together time, you know, sometimes, but not all the time. You know, I have my circle of friends and family. She has her circle of friends and family. So it
1: doesn't always come together, but when we do, it's really fun. It's magic. Yeah, it is. So as I'm listening to you and, and, and we've had, um, Elizabeth on the podcast as well, like you are women, of a certain age yeah. right you are yeah. you are past the the 50 mark and you are bringing a whole new way of being right. into a world that is male dominated mm-hmm. uh younger men right with a different kind of energy that's right it is it's magic yeah uh, and i i agree and i thank you for for recognizing it
2: because not not everybody would think about it i think as deeply as you have but Uh, i feel that liz and i have been given an amazing opportunity to mentor the next generation into a new way of doing restaurants and she handles the front of house and I handled the back of house. And so, and I think that both teams were you to sit down and interview them. We we probably are seen a little bit um, in a maternal way mm-hmm. um, because we are so much older than they are. And, you know, we both sort of came through the school of life. Um, with a lot of experiences. There's no story that any one of them that could tell us that we haven't lived through four times, Which which is where, you know, we're drawing this sort of, way of doing business it's from that lifetime of where we liked how we how we were being treated and how we didn't like being treated mm-hmm. you know I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to any young person that is under my care and that's basically I don't really think of being their employer so much as their caretaker <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. well really the ultimate in leadership right it's only when you care for people that people will actually do yeah, anything for you Absolutely, they, they realize that this person actually cares that yeah. I I exist that I show up that I'm seeing in right. this environment,
2: yeah, I think in a lot of situations, a lot of workplace situations, that employees feel like they're they're being used. Mm-hmm. They're being used for their services a and number. Went, that's it. Yeah. And and that's just not the way I'm approaching this business. Right. Um, yeah. So it's a it is a really wonderful, you know, I guess for lack of a better phrase, dream come true because mm-hmm. I I had certainly dreamed of running my own restaurant Um, and and i had actually sat down and created a business plan um, probably about 10 years ago Um, but then it didn't it just didn't line up with my life i i I wasn't willing to put that much time at that time and i just thought well i'll just shelve this and about four months ago i was cleaning out a box and i found the business plan And it is creepy to look at how close Italian by night is to that plan. It's unbelievable. I'm sorry. Uh,
0: be be, open, <laughs> be to open to the universe. universe. <laughs> you He's coming back. You wrote it out, put it in a box. <laughs> you, and he almost said to the universe, hey, if you can find something that's a fit to this. Right? Yeah, yeah. send
2: and along Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Well, send Say.
1: Elizabeth Rowe and Gord Hewitt. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, it was, but yeah. it's all
1: about divine timing. So you right. set the intention and you had a very clear picture. And I think that this is a good message for people. If you, if you want something, write it out. Right. And, yeah. then, and then
0: set it aside and allow right and set the intention because you had an intention obviously when you set out to write that plan there was an intention to open a restaurant oh you guys are blowing my mind
2: (laughs) so so here now this is really interesting that so yes you're right I put that in a box and then I started to write the blog and writing that blog so how long ago was that
0: when you put it in the box like 10 years ago yeah
2: I want to I want to say that it was it was 2009 so that is ten years ago. So the, yeah. the, the girls are gone, and you're going through your right. And, and you wrote a business plan and filed your it, and I file it. And then in 2011, <laughs> I start writing the blog, and through the blog, I was able to share my expertise in Italian food, and which played beautifully into opening an Italian restaurant. Yes, I never <laughs>
1: thought about that. <laughs> you're having a moment right now on full. Yes. <laughs> From oh, the outside right, looking in because right. Dane and I taught, I mean, we, live we, this. we met Michael Loger <laughs> right, in 2005 right. and he taught us about the law of attraction and, and energy in the universe and how it does conspire. But you need wow. to be clear. Right. And if your message is wishy-washy, it's going to give you wishy-washy. Right. But you were super clear. Right. But then the other part was, wait, back to your friend's words, <laughs> be open to the universe because Liz could have said to you, oh, Michelle... Blah, blah, blah. And you would have went, yeah, whatever. Because you were not having the right day. And your messages would have crossed paths. It never would have happened.
2: Right. right. So oh. that that's hilarious. So uh, Liz <laughs> opens the deli. And I start hearing, um, people are saying to me, the woman who opened the deli, really wants to talk to you. And I and I thought, <laughs> Don't Why? you love small towns. <laughs> I right? small towns. You don't need to
0: call the are room yeah. will get to you. So and I,
2: I don't I don't eat deli food. It's not that it would at the time it wouldn't have been something I wasn't, you know, on a fast track to go to the deli. But finally Ralph and I did go in one day and the food blew my mind. It was delicious. And she came over to the table and she said, I understand, you're Michelle Hooten. I said I am. She said, I understand um you're the person I should talk to about Italian food. And I said uh, yeah, I'd love to have the talk. So this happened um, so many times, like maybe like over the course of six months to the point where I thought she's being really disingenuous. And I said <laughs> to her, you don't, I'm going to come back to your deli. You don't have to keep blowing smoke up. My <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 I really want to get together. So then about a week later, she gets in touch with me. And she's going to come over to the house. And I don't know her at all. All she's ever I done is... I didn't realize sort of the, that you didn't know each no, other. You it, weren't friends. Not not did, even in the same social no, circles. Nothing. Did not, I knew nothing about her. All I knew was that she had opened this place. And I thought the food was delicious. And I thought she was really lovely. So she, my doorbell rings. And in true Liz style, she's standing there with a bottle of wine. And I thought, oh. So I had thought... <laughs> oh, she stayed a while. <laughs> right. I had said to myself, this will take like 45 minutes, an hour. An We're hour. having a chat. Right? Right. So 5 hours later. And and she still Wow. Yeah, 5 hours later. So we you know, we're talking, 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 talking. And um in a really unfiltered way at the end of the conversation, I said to her, "It's really clear to me that you don't know a lot about Italian food." And she just about fell off her chair. She roared with laughter and then I realized what I said out loud and but that was the moment when either she would have gotten up in a huff and left or she would have said, would you be interested in developing and then the teaching me history. about Italian food. I, and yeah. what yeah. year was that yeah. yeah, So that was 2011. Oh my God. And um, so she did. She hired me as a consultant to create um, all of the menus, all of the recipes, all of the procedures. And then, and that, I can't remember exactly how long, I think it took us about, took me about six months and I handed her back all the collateral, you know, because you're retired at right, this and right. writing a blog life is easy off you go now and then um then she got in touch with me and uh, she said look at if I'm going to be running an Italian restaurant I need to ha- I need to know how to cook these recipes I need a chef right no no she didn't say that so she came twice a week for a couple of months oh and I we went through those recipes and um and it was hilarious because I'm very punctual she's always late there you know there were all those, (laughs) a bit like that and so then when she was and I thoroughly enjoyed it and we really got to know one another during that time and so then and then that was over and again I think it's over about six months later um and I, I probably have the timeline a little bit messed up she she wanted to meet and that's when she asked me if I would run the kitchen um she wanted to find a space and would I do that? And I, I was really bored. And I, I thought, I spent about five minutes thinking about it and then said, yes, I <laughs> hell would. Yes. Right? Hell yes, hell yes. <laughs> and so then um, she couldn't find a space. There just wasn't space available to, do, to open a, uh, an Italian restaurant. And so um, her, I think it was her sister had found this really interesting concept in New York where they ran a deli. In the daytime, and then a, a different kind of a place at night, more fine dining. And so she and I were actually standing in the deli, and we had a list of four pages of names of what this place would be called. And we were looking at this video, thinking it was such a neat concept. And, and sure enough, she was going to do it at the deli site. Um, and I can't remember if we said it at the same time, but it was deli by day, and we kind of looked at one another Italian by night.
3: Ah, and that's where the name there you came go. from. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so it was, and those were, it was tough because that place was designed to be a sandwich shop. Wow. And so we had to take that line and turn it into an, a, like a, an Italian restaurant. It, and it was, the prep area is a floor above. So everything uh. had to be hand bombed every day and back up every night. It was it was a tremendous amount of work. And I was there for a couple of years. I'm not sure, I think two years And then their team was in place. I I no longer felt like I was, um, uh, you know, of use. And she kept me on as the consultant. So every time, we we changed the menu then four times a year. Wow. Yeah. So I would go in and work with the team and, and, you know, probably be there for the first few nights. and, And that went on until... Until the current, Until your current yeah.
0: beautiful spot,
1: exactly with the yeah. uh, with that you sent out to the universe.
2: Right. beautiful
0: to the universe. I yeah. feel like I can underscore that a few times in this yeah. conversation. But I think it's like what Steve Jobs said in that speech he gave to the kids, the university kids, is that you can't connect the dots going forward, but you can connect them when you look backwards. That's right. Well, that's right? Kind of what's happening here this morning. I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I realize it's actually just unfolding in this actual. It's, it's a soul sister
2: thing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I really appreciate it. It's it's
0: pretty, pretty amazing. I'm curious in your, um, bio, it it said you spent a lifetime working at things that you have been passionate about. Yes. And I find people throw that word around a lot and people are trying Mm -hmm. to find their passion and they're disappointed when they can't find their passion. Mm -hmm. Is my passion, my one thing, or where's my passion? Am I waiting for my passion? Mm -hmm. What would you say about finding your passion or living passionately? Well, I
2: think that it's, um, (laughs) that's a great question to find your passion i don't think i my passion was there it wasn't like i wasn't looking for it i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't trying to search and find my passion it was this thing that i was involved in i was passionate about so i didn't have to go and and search for it so when i did aerobics you, you one might say i was passionate about it um but once i was done with it i was done and you and, know when you're done, and absolutely, I totally do. So, and would
0: there be something that's underlying? So, it's not the aerobics, it's not the snack cart, it's not the restaurant. There's something else that's underlying that's well, driving it. Yeah, I, I is think it creativity, yes, it is. Risk it is. Taking, mm, it's measurements.
2: Not, it's not. I never ever felt like I was a risk taker. I have 100% belief in my own ability, mm-hmm. and always have. And so, if I'm interested in it, I know exactly the way I will approach it, which will be wholehearted. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. do it with thy might it's it's who I am and so when I'm interested in something I could use the word interest or I could use the word passionate and people do throw that word around a lot but I think you have to walk the walk and to to really prove to people that you are passionate working past tired you know and and working when there is no paycheck for you because you have to pay everything else first and yet you still get up the next day and you're excited to do it again.
1: Just you, as excited as the day that you got paid. Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yeah. So so all of those things. But I think for me, if you look, if you go through you know, each of the businesses, um, it was always being
1: creative.
2: And the math. Mm. It always had to make sense. Because, so you're
1: using both sides of your yeah, brain. Yeah, it's true. You it's are. true. And I,
2: th- and I think that um, really uh, every successful entrepreneur has to be able to do that. I see people wanting to be an entrepreneur and the very first thing they set up is their pay. And I think, yeah, that's not gonna work. It's not the way it works. Um, So having having both sides of your brain work. So you're creative and you're pragmatic and you understand simple economics. It doesn't have to be complicated and you don't need a university degree to do it but you do have to understand that you can't spend more than you make and um, and they need to be calculated risks some people call them risks i've never i've never had a business that i thought i was taking a risk i always knew
1: it would be successful so That's the belief that belief that strong belief that you have in your values is a is a tool and you're a master manifester hmm. because of that like you hmm. are working in union with what's out there Right.
0: And when, huh. I hear, when I hear
1: you speak. <laughs> right? Because when we're wishy-washy. She means out there. She out means, there. Right? I mean out there out in the universal energy. Because right. when I'm wishy-washy, then I'm getting wishy-washy back. Right. And right. so if I'm, and Dane and I have been playing around with manifesting, right? So the other day I said, um, somebody asked us what we would like to manifest. Like, make it easy. And I said, well, I, I, you know, I'd like to manifest a new magazine to, the, to me with home decor. So yesterday, Dane and I did a little bit of back work, and we are going to be in a magazine. So I'm like, I'll take that. I love it. That's pretty close. Yeah. That is, I'm yeah. celebrating the closest of the match. Right. So, but I, so it's and it's being open because when it came by, I went, wait, man, oh, I said magazine. This isn't exactly what I said, but it's pretty darn close. So there we go. Right. And that celebration of right. energy. Yeah. So you're when you celebrate the energy when when you and Liz kind of had that meeting and you're like, Oh yeah. And
2: that, I mean, that also is, um, completely off brand for me to be a partner. That was never something that I was ever interested in. You know, I wanted to have complete autonomy. I totally would have, you know, before this partnership would have felt that it just wouldn't be something that I would enjoy. And it, you know, it was rocky. In the beginning, like learning how to hear one another, learning how to speak to one another uh, in a kind and respectful way, regardless of the situation, Um, learning how to bring two visions together to make a better vision. And, and to, you know, have the confidence in yourself to say, yeah, my idea actually wasn't as good as yours. Let's go with your idea. You know, like all of those things, those are skills that I didn't have and that I've had to learn at the speed of light to ensure the success of this company. Um, and, and now that's just my reality. And, and it's a really beautiful
1: place to be. I think it's very inspiring for women who are in their third act, who think they're done. Right. They're so, not done. No, they're not done, and you can give birth to something in a new, different way than what you did before, because right. your whole thought process is different. Absolutely, and it is absolutely possible.
0: And it's always in reinvention. That's what I hear. You can always reinvent yourself, or continue to do. Continue to do what you love,
2: yeah, and yeah.
0: You're you're absolutely in a way right. that works yeah. for who yeah, you yeah. are. Because I wanted to ask you know what has most surprised you about you know being a partner with Italian by night, and maybe you just answered it like being in partnership. You said yeah. it's off brand for you to be in partnership. Yeah, I with
2: would I would absolutely say I knew that I could cook, and I knew that people would support delicious food. That wasn't a yeah. surprise for me. Um, I did not know how difficult it would be to be a partner. And I did not know I could do it. I wasn't sure that I had the skill to change, basically, to change... Change who you were or absolutely. how you behaved. Yeah, yeah. How, you know, because I, I am um, really stubborn and very clear in my vision. And um, it's, you know, I have spent a lifetime of just doing it my way mm. and... To have created something so special with two other people, you know, i if you would have asked me before we did this, would I be interested in that? I would say, yeah, probably not. Mm-hmm. But it really was what overrode it all was my desire to actually do it, to actually have my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. So I just... Really did put my faith in the universe that I was going to get through this, and I had to sound like a broken record. Um And I'm probably going to have to take the afternoon off to go home and think about all of this because <laughs> this is there's some big
1: shit happening yeah, here today. Yeah, there, there really
2: is. So, uh, so the most surprising thing to me is that I do believe if you have the opportunity to collaborate with somebody, um yeah, right, with with. not the same vision but a similar vision a shared vision and a shared love of that project um, shared sensibilities and an openness to change and an openness to be respectful then I say grab it with both hands because it is incredibly fulfilling and I don't think you can do this until you're in your
0: third act Mm -hmm. there's a wisdom that comes with shell do you feel like it's 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 putting oh, something oh greater above yourself, like a greater yes. vision. Because yes. it's learning, and I know for myself, it's probably just in the been in the past decade of, you know, personal development and so on, is learning to get out of my own way. And part of that that get out of your own way is the ego. And don't Absolutely. allow that to enter in when you're in partnership with someone right. or you're trying anything to, to put the thing above yourself. Right. You're absolutely right. And, and it takes a lot of wisdom, but self-awareness consciousness. Yeah. You have to be conscious of Mm -hmm. the ego Mm -hmm. and where am I showing up as my highest self, my, my original self with the good intentions and the one who just wants attention or stubbornness. Right.
2: Yeah. I think you're bang on. And I think that, um, you have to be careful because someone could listen to this podcast and think, whoa, she has a big ego. She's so sure of herself. But there's a big Mm -hmm. difference. There's a big difference. Because, um, you know, I am an introvert by nature. Um, So putting myself out there is not an easy thing for me to do. I know when I create something beautiful and I know when I create something that's garbage. And that's just... You know the difference. Absolutely. And And I will be the first one to say it. Um, so, and you're right. I think that you do have to set your ego aside because it will, in the world of business, it's going to get just trampled on, you know, when we, we are reviewed constantly and we're fortunate enough to have a lot of really beautiful reviews, but we will get well-earned. They are
1: well-earned and
2: they are. And I, am thank you for that because it's true. But every now and then we get smoked, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're, in the beginning, you know, both Liz and I and Gore, we would both the three of us, we kind of we sort of talk about one another that way. But um, you know, we would read the review and we would feel really hurt. But then we had to get ourselves to the point where it's constructive. We have to recognize crazy, because sometimes that's right. it all is it just, is. Yes. Yeah. But always to look at it and say, can we improve? Is there some truth here? And be okay right. with that. And then just keep moving forward. Yeah, It's mm-hmm. feedback. What do you want to do? Yeah, you're assessing it whether That's it's right. worthy or not. That's right. right. Don't And don't ever disrespect it. Right. Um, you know, because I think you're really yeah. in trouble when you start to do that. When you think then all of a like sudden you you're know believing better. your own yeah. legend. Yeah, you're yeah. drinking your own Kool-Aid. <laughs> careful, careful. But because yeah.
1: you're in this place in your life, you can stand back and yes. look at all that. And yes. so it is a beautiful model. It is an absolutely beautiful divine goddess soul sister yeah. model oh, yeah you.
0: how has owning this restaurant being the chef in the kitchen brought meaning to your life oh my gosh oh, well um
2: when in my situation first of all i'm self-trained um so i don't have my red seal and that that is a big deal in the world of chefs so this just yeah. happened so it's really neat that you're asking this question. So in my kitchen, everybody, everyone in the restaurant refers to me as chef. It's a sign of respect. It, it means chief. I'm the chief oh. cook. Um, so I I do all the things. I create the menus. Um, I create the recipes. I train the team. I cost the food. I do everything that a chef would be required to do. Um, I I can do that for large groups. I can do it for a single plate. So I have all of those skills, but I don't have my red seal. So with that, um, there's a little bit of an insecurity. When I see a red sealed chef walking down the street that I might not give you five cents for because I know that person's history, but they still have that seal. So it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little tricky. Well, the other day I was walking on Jermaine street and a chef from another restaurant walked by me and said, Hey chef. Yeah. Oh, and that, yes. Was, yes. that was the nod you needed. Yes. A seal of approval. Yes. <laughs> That's the only red seal
1: you need, Michelle.
2: And so, and that sounds so silly, but no, it no, is human. when the industry, mm-hmm. when the people that yes. are doing the same thing that I'm doing and they know I don't have my red seal but they the res- the respect is there because it's not a fluke. We're not six months in. We're not nine months in. We're, th- we're you know we're gonna a be finishing three years. Three years, yeah. And it it really like I could have wept a little bit. Really, I was that excited.
0: <laughs> um, Did you go around the corner and do well, like the dance? Yeah, I <laughs> you here. were
2: just filled <laughs> up with pride. <laughs> It's just—it's really silly. It just really no, does it's sound not silly. silly. But no. it's um, yeah. That that the, it's that's the thing. Like when it's like earning your stripes. I right. I knew I could do it, and and everything is visible. That yes, that it's it's happening, but when someone is recognizing it, that is a peer. It's a great feeling.
0: Mm. Well, I'll tell you, red seal or not, I know what good food tastes like. So I don't care if you have a red seal or not. (laughs) I've I've eaten at lots of restaurants where I'm like, "Mm, yeah, you know, you've had the experience and I'm sure it was prepared by someone who was uh, whatever this certification is. And I
2: I don't disagree with that. And and the truth of the matter is, if you were to look at um, some of the most celebrated chefs in the world are self-taught. And, the, and yeah, yeah, that, and that really is a thing. because there's
1: that in. It's yeah. coming from inside. That's right. Yeah. It's
2: it's an inside job. It really. It, that's absolutely yeah. true. I think that there's a sensibility that that great chefs have that you can't teach. And so it's what, like any any right. industry, yeah. anything, yeah.
1: Right. when you see people really shine, yes. it's because they have that little light inside yeah. them. Yeah, and, and
0: you work really hard at being good at it. Yeah,
2: right? And that, That's another thing. So, you know, so those two, come things, out of yeah, life, but those yeah, 2 i they've been together. cooking
0: for like 42 since you were
1: yeah. <laughs> as long as, as yeah. when you're old enough to get as soon, yes, on as, the soon stool, as I could reach that as counter. granny in the kitchen yeah. The stove yeah. On. yeah yeah and I could I was allowed to do that at a really young
2: age so it was uh it's true so it's a lifetime of practice and like anything the more you practice the better you get so it's yeah. a it's a, yeah. it's a wonderful perfect union and it
1: shows <laughs> wow thank you yeah so, what a great
0: conversation I know I think we could I, talk for days we said this to Liz too we're like that we could keep this mic on for yeah, hours well, yeah well you you
1: both I, I
2: just want to say this and I hope this gets included in in the podcast because I've watched other podcasts and you are doing such a remarkable job of curating a collection of people at this time that many years from now people will be able to look back at and say wow St. John was an amazing place with amazing people doing unbelievable things mm-hmm. in a very holistic way. And I don't know if you, if you realize, but you really are curators of, of exceptional people. And I am really delighted to be on the list. Oh. Well, thank you for being a part <laughs> of thank it. Thank you. Your a soul sister. sister. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's that. That's very nice of you to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've enjoyed having you. And this was, it was a delight before, <laughs> and it was delight like, <laughs> during. <dirty enough, laughs> we, we were really <laughs>
1: like we were like snorty laughing before, yeah, and I remember. was in like a warm oh, moment and goodness, yeah. yeah, and no, a great conversation. Absolutely, so, my Michelle, pleasure. It's yeah, yeah thank a you delight. so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Dana Lloyd, and I'm Elaine Shannon you've been listening to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast. You can connect with Dana at danaloydleadership.com and you can connect with Elaine at Elaineshannon.com. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast and join us for more Soul Sister Conversations. Thanks for listening.